0: Welcome to an informative and hilarious podcast hosted by Mitch Adams of Wrestle Royalty and Stephen Dickey from WOW, Women of Wrestling. In the worlds of comic book related media and pro wrestling, both tell stories, while everyone involved wears tight, colorful outfits that would make circus performers blush. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleRoyalty.com and Harley Quinn memes on Facebook proudly present Storytelling in Spandex.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Storytelling in Spandex. I am Sir Mitch Mitchell Adams, joined, by as always, by Stephen Dickey of Women of Wrestling Superstars. Stephen, how you going, mate?
0: Doing very well. Not wearing spandex, but uh, we will be talking
1: spandex. Yes, we'll be talking spandex. Many Spandex. Oh, dear <laughs> me. Uh, today, we've got an interesting topic to discuss, uh, ladies and gents. We're discussing the most legitimate, tough, uh, comical characters and characters in professional wrestling. And there are quite a few on both sides to, to cover. And the similarities between both are quite fascinating. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I think the first name I'm going to bring up is quite possibly the the person, the one wrestler today that scares the holy living, you know what, out of me, it's uh, Manuro Suzuki. <laughs> so,
0: oh God, Suzuki!
1: Uh, you go, you go first, man, because I need to gather my thoughts on this one.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're good. No, Suzuki is, is is one of the. You're right. One of the most legitimate, tough, legitimately tough people in the wrestling business. It's like everything he does. It's like that that Japanese strong style. He's the embodiment of it. And he, I mean, he just, everything he does looks so, you're like, how does he bring such realism to his matches? And honestly, I think it's because he's he's out there telling people to lay into him as hard as they can. Like, he he really, and I don't think it's that he's out there to prove he's the toughest guy out of any anybody. He just seems like, to me, he's one of those people, like I said, he values the realism. He values the authenticity. So it is, it, he just wants it to look as, like like a legitimate fight which honestly i think that's when wrestling is at its best when it looks like a legitimate fight and suzuki honestly brings that to each and every one of his 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 matches and when you look at his history because he's he's done the mma you know he's done mma he's he's had that that experience outside of pro wrestling so he's one of those it makes sense why he would have that that legitimacy and that authenticity to everything he
1: does yeah, I was just about to say he's one of the innovators of MMA. I mean, uh, he, he he invented a bunch of rules that are still in practice today. So and you know he was he's he's a legit guy. I mean, um, he was trained in catch wrestling by uh, Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson. So he, and he also trained in shooto and shoot fighting with Sayama and and you know like I said he founded the first uh, UFC company Pancrase. So he's he's his MMA credentials are legit. You know, he started off yeah, in yeah, pro wrestling, and he, he, he started off in pro wrestling his in the late eighties and volumes. And, yeah, he started off in pro wrestling in the late eighties, and then he went. Uh, then a bunch of his fellow wrestlers quit because they wanted to see what it would be like to mix it up for real. Started Pancrase, and then when that went bust, and he had to sell, it, he went back to New Japan. But even when he went back to New Japan, he <laughs> was still physical as all get out. So.
0: Yeah, he didn't slow down a bit. I mean, it was like he's one of the few people. Like, anytime I see a match of his pop up on social media, or just somebody shares a link or a GIF of just anything that he does, it's like I stop and I watch it because it's like you know you're about to watch something that like he is as real as it gets. And again, like you you know you listed off his his experience, his training, his background. I mean, it, it it's just everything is crisp. It's it's just unbelievably real and stiff and snug, and you're watching. You're like, how is this guy still alive? But he just he I I give him so much credit. He's just one of my favorites to watch because it is I get like I, I used the I used the words a few seconds ago as real as it gets. I feel like he's they, there's nobody that comes close to him. No, absolutely not. I mean, he, and he has a face only a mother could love. Oh my gosh, he's. She's, they call Ishii the pit bull, the stone pit bull, but man, Suzuki looks like it looks like he's been through a few dog fights in his day. And I mean, he legitimately has, he's just, he's just a a rough, tough. He's the guy like you go to a bar, he's the last person you want to mess with. I mean, he he reminds me of, uh, you know, to compare it to something local for me, he's like a Japanese Dick, the bruiser.
1: Oh, you know, he's
0: yeah. I mean, Dick, the bruiser is huge in my parts here in Indianapolis. And uh, and Dick the Bruiser had this reputation for being being a legitimate tough guy. He'd walk into the bars, and he'd, you know, guys would try to pick fights with him, and he was the last person you wanted to pick a fight with. And that's what Suzuki reminds me of every time I see him. I'm just like, man, that is that guy is the last person you want to, you know, put a finger in his chest.
1: Yeah, I mean. (laughs) You mentioned Dick the Bruiser. I'll just say Dick the Bruiser was pretty well known in Australia too. Like I said, we've got the we've got the connection here with uh, uh Jim. Uh, what's his name? Uh, he promoted dad, both. Yeah, yeah. he One promoted the most colourful characters in wrestling. <laughs> he promoted both in Indianapolis and Australia. Brought wrestling to Australia, by the way. Yep. Um, and he brought Dick the Bruiser along with him for, for a lot of the earlier shows. Um, I just actually believe it, I just sent you a photo of a a young Maniro Suzuki when he was just getting started and. Seeing him now, seeing him then, seeing him now—it's comparison. He's actually—he was actually quite a handsome son of a gun back in his day. Uh, obviously, years of getting punched in the face it did it Oh
0: man, he yeah, he's like—it uh, reminds me of Shibata, man. Uh, he's uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's a young, clean-cut, good-looking kid there. But yeah, he's not not like the uh, not like the like I said, rough, tough son of a gun that you yeah that's stepping into the ring. Like I, I recently, the one I remember, the one match I remember just looking, just legitimately you know, BA was his match with Moxley. Um, he, right, had a, yeah, yeah. he had a great match with John Moxley, not too absolutely. long ago that just like watching those two go at each other. Like you, you can tell, man, Moxley was having the time of his life oh, and it's Suzuki probably enjoyed stepping into the ring just as much uh, uh, with Moxley. And it was just like, those two had such a great chemistry. They, the ring was on fire when those two right. were in it. And it was, uh it, it
1: was fantastic to watch. Like those two made pure magic together. Yeah, man. I mean, that was the kind of match and the kind of a, a person to work with that Moxley left WWE for. That was exactly. exactly, that was exactly why, why why he left. And you know, and I, I, I don't know if it, this isn't common knowledge, something I know. Um, uh, Suzuki was actually thinking of quitting New Japan and going back to pro wrestling Noah for a bit because uh, he wasn't uh, he was a bit bored with the kind of people that was working with in New Japan. But that match with uh, Moxley, no convince them to die so.
0: yeah i, I mean it, it makes sense i mean it's like you know you look at the roster on at noah and it seems like suzuki would fit in a little bit better at times with the guys over in, in pro yeah. wrestling noah but uh but yeah i mean it, bringing in a, a john moxley uh, i could see that wedding you know wedding the appetite of a, of a guy like suzuki who wants to have these rough tough crazy matches and just go joe just go balls to the wall each time he's in there moxley's the same way yeah. so yeah it makes sense that that uh that you know uh gato could look at, at suzuki like look if we can get you in the ring with this crazy sob you know i think you guys could do some good stuff yeah i, I could see that
1: definitely enticing uh suzuki to stay yeah absolutely i mean and um uh i oh, mean i've lost what's the kind of thought here what the bloody hell was I gonna say never mind i'll come back to it <laughs> <laughs> oh mate don't you just hate it when that happens okay comic book comparisons now oh now i remember hang on hang on now i remember now I remember. Oh, you're good yeah now i'm good um the last suzuki match, not of apart from moxley that i really was really enjoyed that was really physical really rough was the match he had a couple of wrestle kingdoms ago with Hiroki goto that oh yeah match was brutal i mean this, the photos online of it were no, Manuro's no slapping the tar out of Goto and Goto's face is looking like a, puck of, uh, like a puffer fish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was brutal as anything. And then that spots where um, yeah, it was, uh, Suzuki had him in the rear naked choke and he was hanging them from the second turnbuckle, like literally hanging them. I don't know how they pulled yeah. that spot off. I mean, Goto must have pretty good neck strength to, to pull that spot off. But like he was literally hanging in there for like 10 seconds. I thought, bloody hell, he's going to kill this man.
0: <laughs> no, it, it blows my mind the things that uh, that 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 uh, rookie Goto is 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 capable of in in the ring. I mean, he's been doing it for so long now too. It's like, but he hasn't slowed down a bit. Suzuki, I mean Suzuki. You know, he's getting he's getting a little long in the tooth. Goto is getting a little long in the tooth. Some of those guys have been doing it for so long. You're like, eventually they got to slow down, right? But no, I mean watching that match. Because you're right it, i mean it's it's been a couple it's been a couple of years since we saw that match but it's they like they were still they're still older you know they're they're older dogs and but they're still just going harder as hard as ever it just makes you look at like like that that i think guys like that are what inspire the new japan roster to step it up to another level because if you're looking at those guys you know in their 40s and 50s and they're 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 killing it the way they are i mean it's like those those guys the young lions you know uh and then even guys in their 30s you know they have no excuse to slow down and no excuse to not just go as hard
1: as 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 guys like goto and suzuki yeah absolutely man i mean i will say this about uh god i i think it's one of the biggest crimes of pro wrestling that he never won the rwgb Heavyweight championship
0: yeah, but it, it, I agree. But it's one of those things that makes me really love New Japan and the IWGP Heavyweight Title more okay. and more because it's not it's not the the uh, it's not the Golden Watch, you know, the way yeah. the WWE title is being treated. Uh, you know, it's 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 the it's the richest prize to me. The IWGP Heavyweight Championship is the richest prize in pro wrestling because it is valued because it is you know it, not everybody gets a turn with it. You know, you've got uh, there, you know, in the last few years, it's been Tanahashi and Okada with a few other guys mixed in. Yeah. But it, it shows you that uh, that those guys have such a, a chokehold on that spot that if you can even get the title for a minute, like a Naito or um, who else was I thinking of? Like, obviously, like a Jay White or somebody, it, you know, if like those it. guys have, have had their turn with it if you can get it off of one of those guys for even a second, I mean, it's, it's such an honor and such prestige to call yourself a former IWGP heavyweight champion. But yeah, a guy like Godot who I agree has deserved a run, but hasn't really got it, 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 but it does, it makes the title all the more valuable to know a guy like that hasn't got his chance. So if you get a chance and guy like Godot hasn't, then you really gotta, I mean, honor
1: that and cherish that like nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, the heavyweight title and the junior heavyweight title is, is, is treated with such reverence, but there are other belts, not so much. I mean, that, that match I mentioned with um, uh, Suzuki and Gada, that was for the, for the never open openweight title, and uh-huh. straight after Suzuki lost it to Gada, he, he challenged and won the, the, their Intercontinental title. I'm thinking, uh-huh. you lose one belt one month and you win another one a second?
0: You know, the, the, but, but, you know, that's kind of what the mid-card titles are there for. You know, it's...
1: Um, I, I, I know, I think, but I would like it not to be such a hot potato. Maybe if he waited three <laughs> months to win the IC title instead of one month, that would have been a bit more preferable.
0: No, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't... I'm, I'm with you. I don't like seeing titles hot shot uh, or, you know, hot potato, like you said. But, again, it's like I, I don't have a problem with it as long as you're treating your main titles with, with, with respect. You know, like you said, the heavyweight title and, and the junior heavyweight title are treated with such respect that you know it, it doesn't bother me so much. I totally get where you're coming from, and 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 you know, you, you never want to see a title you know disrespected. But I'm 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 fine if you. I'd rather see the IC title or the US title or the never open weight title, you know, in a hot shot booking rather than them do that with the heavyweight title. And so again, I I, I mean. I guess it's one of those things like the the lesser of two evils. So I'm totally fine with what they do, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, nobody likes to see it. It's, it's like back in the day with the WWE, you know, they used to do the same thing with they. there'd be times where they'd hot shot the IC and the European. And then of course yeah. they had the hardcore title and now they've got the 24, seven title, all these titles just bounce around and you're like, yeah. you know, how can you take them seriously? If, if every
1: single body, every single person gets a, a chance to hold the title. I think I think Naito said it best. If we uh, if we keep going like this, everyone's going to have a belt all the time.
0: Right, exactly, and that's that. That's no fun. It's just like you know, it makes it. Uh, it honestly, when everybody gets a turn with a belt, it makes pro wrestling look less legitimate. Yeah. You know, exactly. it, it's it's again, it's I th- again, I think it's a reason why I love the IWGP Heavyweight Title so much. It's not the the Golden Watch. You know, oh hey, you've put in your your time and now you get the belt. It's like back in the day, everybody talks about how. Man, can you believe that guys like Roddy Piper and Ted DiBiase and Mr. Perfect, three of the best workers in the business, never ever were the WWF champion? And back in the day, that meant something because you know those guys, three of the best workers to ever lace up their boots, they never got to touch the richest prize in the business. You know, that's kind of how I see the IWGP
1: title now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one problem with New Japan. I think it's a problem with promotions across the board at the minute. Um. There's too many championships. There's just far too many, and New, I mean, New Japan's introducing that KOPW thing, which it, it feels like something lifted from DDT Pro. It feels silly to me. I don't get it. It's yeah, just, it's just something. It's just something they've come up with to give Okada something to do because I don't want him near the heavyweight toll for a bit. I mean. I mean, you
0: weird. think they'd put them in like, a, you think they'd give them like the IC title or something, or, or even the never title just to, just to occupy them. You know, no, you don't have to create another championship for it. Uh, I, I started to feel that way. Like, like when, when the never, when the never uh, belts became a, a, a thing, I, I like the original concept that it was going to be like, not, not to oversimplify it here. I know this isn't exactly how they were intended, but it was almost like going to be like new Japan's NXT, you know, yeah. that you were going to see like, like different, different, newer, younger stars get a chance with these, with the, the, the never open weight title and the never six man tag title and all that. But then it just turned into mid card titles. Um, So I thought that was like, that's where a point where it's like, okay, now you're starting to get into that, that point where you've got too many belts and it probably needs to be scaled back a little bit, especially now that you've got the IWGP and the IWGP tag, IWGP junior heavyweight and the junior heavyweight tag. Now you got the never open weight and the never open weight six man tag. On top of that, IC US title. It's
1: like there's so many belts now. Yeah, well, I think I think they've officially merged the heavyweight and ice air belts, which I thought was long overdue anyway. I mean, the ice air belt was just for Nakamura for a lot of the time, I think.
0: Right, exactly, it was It was Shinsuke's belt for
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, the only time it wasn't Shinsuke's belt when is when it was Naito's, and the most interesting, right. most interesting thing he did with it was trash it, like throw, throw it <laughs> at the steel steps and throw it into the ring post, which was one of the most creative things I thought I'd ever seen in my life. But yeah, um, yeah absolutely. But I do, I do like the concept of never belts because um, obviously we have weight divisions in Japan and, it, and I, feel, I thought it was cool to have the never belts because you could see juniors and heavies, you know, get together in matches more often and, and, and we have the, these great fantasy matchups that we didn't think were possible because of the weight divisions happen because of the never belts. So I, yeah. I like that concept of it. But I do think they've merged the IC title now. I think that's fine. I think... If I had my way, I'd probably get rid of the six-man belts, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Because I, I don't think they serve much purpose at the minute. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, nine times out of ten, uh, the, the six-man uh, tile holders are also – two of them also held the tag titles. I mean, it's just – Yeah, I've, I've
0: never been a fan of six-man belts. It, it makes sense for a promotion like a Dragon Gate where, where oh, yeah, it's yeah. more stables. You know, it's, it's more stable heavy, and it's more like factions and allegiances and stuff like that. A well, six-man the tag games. belt would – right right that like that that works in a a concept like dragon gate but with new japan you know they have stables they have these factions they have these groups but you know like you said it's oftentimes the the six-man tag belts are held by tag champions or you know it's like the the b or c squad of of a stable like the bullet club or or lij you know it's, it's it's rarely is it held by you know uh, uh just like this these great three person teams that you're like oh they need a belt you know yeah. cuz i you know i think somebody who was it there was an interview not too long ago like a couple of weeks ago where somebody said let's be real six man tag titles were created for the von ericks and the freebirds and beyond that it's really they haven't really had a purpose and and i kind of agree with that six man tag belts have never really felt like a necessity in wrestling but they're they're there, you know. It's it's yeah. it's it was fun for a while, but I I don't think we need them. It, there's not really a promotion I look at anymore, and I'm like, you need a six man tag belt. It's like you just have a tag belt, and uh, you know, if you really have a third guy who's deserving deserving of a belt, New Japan's got tons of other singles titles they can give them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I might like the concept a bit better if they did it like the Lucha Libre style trios titles because with yeah. those um. There's no tag. You know that you don't have to tag to get in the ring, and it's 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 like a it's a chaotic, you know the stuff that people criticise the young bucks for and AEW for for no tags and a lot of that stuff. That's pretty much every six man tag match in in, in any lucha libre organisation. Right.
0: Well, it's like you know if if it if it's part of the style and you, it yeah. helps legitimise the style that you wrestle. Like lucha libre is something completely different. Like like. Uh, You know, we talk about New Japan and the Japanese wrestling style is the strong style is very different than American wrestling. American wrestling is very different than Lucha. Lucha is very different than European catch wrestling. You know, so if you create a championship that fits your style, it's one reason why I really left the ROH Pure Championship back in the day. The Pure Championship fit because they had a different style than WWE, than TNA, than than any of the other – than Combat Zone, than any of the other promotions that were around at that point. So having a pure championship fit their style. Lucha Underground, having the trios title, like you mentioned, fit their style. So it's it's something that if you can come up with a championship to fit your style and and help legitimize why you have a certain style of wrestling – then I think that is a good idea. It's one reason why, you know, we were talking about last time the, the uh, uh, AEW having a better tag team division. Well, you know, it's like essentially the tag of divi- it, the tag team titles are just not, I, I don't mean this, this is going to come out wrong, but I, I think people get what I'm getting at. The tag titles are really just going to be there to help legitimize having the young bucks on in the main event. You know, the other tag teams are there to help legitimize the young bucks having the main event spot on the roster. Yes. It's, it's, you know, bookers have done it for for so many years now that and and uh kind of you mentioned in that having that trios championship it, it's it's again it's it's promoters justifying their job it's people justifying having a job and their place on the roster so it, it's fine though if you can if you can help weave things into there to you know kind of distract from the fact that you're, you're 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 just justifying your place in this world yeah yeah true
1: Right. Uh, we need to bring this back to um, <laughs> tough characters Absolutely. and wrestling in <laughs> comic books. The comparison I'm going to make with Minoru Suzuki might be a bit controversial for some, but I think it fits. I'm going to compare him to The Punisher, to uh, Frank Castle. Okay. I like reason, that. And the reason being is, you know, people who are aware of the you know, uh, Punisher series, um, he's, uh, you know, in their different incarnations, either a police officer or a soldier or a federal agent, his family is, is murdered by uh, criminals and then he becomes this crazed vigilante that kills, um, just just completely <laughs> obliterates and, 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 and it's pretty much a homicidal maniac committing yeah. genocide against everybody who's a murderer or a rape, or, or rapist or any serious criminal. All the other comic book characters hate him. They think he's psychotic, which is probably true to a point. And it's just, it, it's this wild thing. And the reason why I compare him to Suzuki is I think in a different lie, quite frankly, Suzuki could have been a an enforcer for the Yakuza. <laughs> that might be a uh, yeah. statement, But I think it's legitimately true. That guy yeah. scares the holy living hell out of me. And if you met oh, if yeah. someone if you met someone like the Punisher in real life, he'd scare the holy living hell out of you too. So that's the comparison <laughs> that I'm gonna make and I'm sticking with it. So <laughs>
0: No, I, I like that comparison. And one thing we didn't really talk about with Suzuki to make the comparison even, even fit even more, in my opinion, is, is the fact that Suzuki always have this, has this IDGAF attitude. It I mean, he, he really does. Like, he, just, he walks in like he doesn't have a care in the world. His only concern is he wants to beat people up and cause as much pain as possible. And, and that describes Frank Castle. And most of the iterations that we've seen over the years with the Punisher comics, he is somebody who just wants to inflict pain uh, the pain that he, he has been caused. And, and I always thought, you know, if new Japan ever went down a road or any, any Japanese promotion that Suzuki were to work for, if they were to go down a more character based character driven, uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of style of presentation, I think Suzuki would be a great guy where you don't have to give him too much of a character, but you know, make his, his carelessness, make his, his, you know, his, just his ruthlessness, part of it and in having a guy like uh using a guy like a, a frank castle as a as a prototype archetype whatever the correct terminology would be there using him as your framework i think uh, uh it would fit a, a minoru suzuki type character very well i think the parallels just
1: are are infinite yeah yeah man i i agree um another wrestler i think can can go down as one of the toughest of all time obviously is uh Vader, big Van Vader, the late great Vader. oh, oh man, it's, it's time. time! It's time! It's together now, Vader, Vader time. Time. <laughs>
0: time.
1: I'm quite there with the timing, but we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> get there. We'll get there. Yeah, no,
0: no, I, I, you know, Vader, Vader has has quite the reputation of being uh, a, a legitimate tough guy, and I mean, he's another one that you look at his, uh, especially his work in Japan. You know, I think here here in the states he was treated more like um especially his work with WWF. He he was treated more like, you know, uh, fodder and yeah. and you could tell Vince just never never quite got what made Vader special. Um but he was just this big massive dude who you just looked again, like with Suzuki, you you see him in a bar, you know that is not the guy to mess with. No. So you look at Vader, you again, you you look at this guy, you're like I'm not going to even test that guy. And then you factor in the athleticism that Vader possessed, oh, yeah. the fact that he could do flips and moonsaults and yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff in the ring. Vader became even more threatening and more dangerous and more of a uh, uh, of an intimidating presence when you realize that he's not
1: limited by his size. Yeah, and he was he was one of the most physical guys you'd ever see in the ring. And, and you could tell he enjoyed the physicality. The matches he had with... Sting, Ric Flair in, in WCW for the WCW world title was so brutal. I mean, I saw once he uh, one match on the WWE Network where he was wrestling Sting. I was I think it was Star K, a Great American Bash. I yeah. don't know. I can't remember which. But he power-bombed, powerbombed Sting so hard. I swear I could see Sting, you know, Sting the clean up Boy, you never swore and never did anything. Go, you no, know, drop an F-bomb. Oh, yeah. F and then and then Vader rolled him up for a pin, and he rolled him up so hard he actually flipped Sting out of the pin, which was a bit of a botch. And, he, and Vader was po'd with himself for that, and so he oh, wailed on Sting a bit more. I'm thinking this is borderline abuse, mate. This is oh man. <laughs> and I yeah. remember. Yeah, I remember also. Sorry, I'll keep yammering on here. But one of the No, no, no. I rem- I one other match I remember with him was uh, with a. Uh, Mick Foley as Cactus Jack on an episode of WCW Saturday Night, uh, which I caught on one of Mick uh, Mick Foley's DVDs, and he purposely broke Mick Foley's nose. (laughs) I think think the agreement between between them both was Vader could make uh, uh, one of uh, Mick's eyes puff up a bit, which you could see he was laying the shots in stiffly, but then he did these forearms, uh, forearm strikes smothers smother strikes in the corner and you could actually actually hear and see mick's nose break after that last whoosh and you hit a crack and you could mick instantly went ah oh, and grabbed his nose i'm thinking right man I'm alive this is this guy's willing to kill a in the ring.
0: <laughs> well and, and you know that's one thing with with vader it's like you know you talk about like him uh him you know roughing guys up it, it wasn't that he was and it wasn't you know um it wasn't that he was taking liberties with guys either. It was just he got in there and he 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 had this agreement with guys that they were like like with Suzuki, like we talked about earlier. They were just going to go as hard as possible, yeah. uh, you know, in the ring for the time that they were given, and just try again. He just he wanted to make everything look like a fight, you know, and and I think that is something that that goes that can't go understated with a lot of these guys that we're talking about being the toughest in the business. Their, their main goal isn't to be tough. It isn't to, to walk around, you know, with their chefs, chest puffed chests puffed out. It's more out of a respect for the business to show that, you know, they, they, these guys who do this, they, they're not, you know, they're not out there just they are putting on a show and it is very entertaining, but they are, they, they want it to be as real and, and as believable as possible. And, and it's, it's, it's for the fans. It's, it's not for them and their own selfish ego. It's so the fans can watch this and be like, man, I, I, you know, they're blurring the line between what's real and what's, what's, you know, quote scripted and,
1: and, and, and I love it. Yeah, man. It's, it was so good and so physical, but especially in Japan, I think it's where he made his bread and butter, but especially, he worked in new Japan and all Japan, but he worked a lot in UWFI universal wrestling federation international. Uh And those guys wrestled that style Vader of Suzuki where they had an agreement to go as hard as they could be as physical as they could. And still obviously be a a scripted professional wrestling match. But those guys were so stiff and so hard and, I don't know how how a lot of those guys are still living. A lot of those guys still are, but man, alive! It was so brutal at the yeah. time. And I think the thing that really carry home Vader's toughness is that match he had with Stan Hansen. Oh, yeah, I'm glad Stan you mentioned Henson. that because that's that's the first one that always comes to mind. That that lunatic, legally blind cowboy, who threw <laughs> clotheslines without any abandon. You know, you think people like JBL and and the um, Oh, man. Um, I forget his name. I'm terrible with names. I have to apologize. But uh, uh, new, current New Japan never openweight champion. He throws a vicious clothesline. He calls it the pumping bomber. But um, so I can remember his signature move, but I can't remember his name. But uh, yeah. him and a few other blokes in the ring that threw stiff clotheslines. Nobody uh-huh. threw one like Stan Hansen because he was, like I said, legitimately legally blind and did not yep. care if he took your head off. He would take your head off. Those two were beating the living tar out of each other in the front of a massive audience, in front of like thirty, forty thousand people, and something happened. And an errant eye poke, and Vader pretty much dislodged his eye, put it back in himself, and it swelled around his and his eye socket swelled around his eye. And <laughs> you, can see, you can see it online. It's one of the most disturbing things you'll ever see in your life. You yep. know. Not not the fake gory stuff WWE did with Ray and Sith recently. This is legit. You could actually yeah. s- partially see Vader chucking his eye back inside his own socket. The eye instantly swelling up. And oh man, and they wanted to keep going. I think they stopped the match, thank goodness, because obviously they were t- terrified of Vader losing his eye again. But yep. they both wanted to keep going. I'm thinking these blokes are out of their minds.
0: Oh, they are. Yeah. Vader and Stan Hansen are two guys that like you, you, like I said, they did a lot of what they did was out of the passion of the business and try to uh, maintain that authenticity, but it did border sometimes on like these guys might be insane. You know, Stan Hansen, nobody threw a lariat like Stan Hansen. We're talking about like most legitimately tough people in this business. Stan Hansen has to be mentioned, but uh, he was one of those guys. Like uh, he, like, I think he threw some of the best lariats because I think he was legitimately trying to decapitate people in the ring, though. I mean, like, Stan Hansen, like, like they would always make the uh, – they'd always, like, exaggerate with JBL and even Ryback when they would throw these lariats and stuff. And you're like, he almost, you know, took his head off. Like, no, Stan Hansen legitimately looked like he was trying to take people's heads off. He was like a, mid, a medieval executioner just trying to just make it sure heads would roll.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and Ryback and JBL did have stiff clotheslines too, but they weren't, you know, they were stiff nothing, impressive clotheslines. Nothing lines, compared to
0: Stan Hansen.
1: Exactly. I mean, I mean uh, JBL, I remember J, uh, JBL's match with Fit Finley in WrestleMania, that uh, clothesline he, he hit him with in the match. I mean, that was one of the stiffest ones I'd seen in a long, long time, but still nothing yeah. compared to what Stan Hansen was throwing no. back no. in the day. Oh, man. Just scary stuff. Right, indeed. The, the comparison I want to make here, again, might seem a bit out of place and a bit controversial, but given the fact he almost lost an eye, I'm going to compare him with Nick Fury. Ooh, okay. Vader the reason, Fury. Is, yep. the reason being is if you know the, the backstory of Nick Fury, um, uh, known somebody the comic book history, I'm not talking about the movie history, he's actually somebody who's about 180 years old. He wrestled at uh, night no, wrestle he fought in uh, re- he fought in wars in the 1800s. he takes this formula to keep himself from aging and getting too old. he didn't lose his eye from an alien cat so what no that, 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 that's 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 the movie version. The real story of how he lost his eye is very graphic and very disturbing even for comic books which I, and i won't mention it but yeah that's the one i'm going to compare to because um yeah, because Nick Fury in the comic books is probably one of the legitimist, most legit, um, tough guys you'll ever meet if you ever met someone like him in real life. So that's the comparison I'm going with.
0: So, but- uh, again, I, I like that comparison too, and I, I think and and again, some of the iterations of Nick Fury, he's he's a little off, a little yeah. you know, a little little uh, little off kilter, you know, a little. He's also seen as a little insane, a little crazy, and like we just mentioned with Vader. In some of his matches, it was like you know a lot of what he, a lot of what Nick Fury did was you know quote for the greater good. Uh, what Vader yeah. did was for the legitimacy and the authenticity of his matches for the greater good of wrestling. Yeah. But uh, again, it bordered on the point where you're like these guys are legitimately insane, and, and you have to question their motives in certain circumstances. So again, I, I totally get the comparison with those two because uh, again, yeah, if you read some of those some of those Nick Fury some of those Nick Fury comics. Uh, and ignore the 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 David Hasselhoff uh, version of Nick Fury, then yeah, you 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 can see why you know some people are like like they they frame him in a way where he's sometimes it gets to a point where you're like this is totally nuts, totally insane. Uh, but uh, but again, he's he's doing it all for for a purpose. Yeah,
1: yeah, man, yeah, man. That's yeah, that was just nuts, just nuts. Some of the stuff <laughs> that Vader and Nick Fury can do. Ooh, let me tell you, yeah, indeed all right i'm gonna go with um next one i'm I'm gonna get i'm gonna get the ladies involved here because uh i'm I'm, that's how i am i'm going to make a case here for we ask is one of the most entertaining people uh in wrestling at the minute but back in her days wrestling in japan she was legitimately one of the toughest and i want to give you a great example of that if you hit if you ever want to see, I know you hate intergender wrestling, I completely understand Roy, but if you want to see a great case of, a great case for not doing intergender wrestling, watch a mixed tag match that she alone promoted. She booked this match. In I know her,
0: exactly which one you're talking about too. In
1: in, in, this, in, her, in her own promotion, in which she had a mixed tag match with Minoru Suzuki. And Minoru Suzuki legitimately beat the living tar out of a slapped her punched her kicked her it's uncomfortable to watch it it is a little unsettling but but you know we're talking
0: about legitimately tough people and and it shows that the beating that she was able to take in that match or, or not the beating you know that's 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 phrasing it wrong but the the endurance uh and stamina that she has being able to hang with a guy like minoru suzuki and his style and his snugness and his stiffness in the ring the fact that she's able to to uh to take that and the story that they tell in the ring part of part of the discomfort and part of the uncomfortable nature of it like we talked about I'm I'm not personally I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling for for many reasons but but again the story that they're telling uh, you you get invested in it. I mean, you yeah, really do. It's it's hard not to get invested in this, in the story that they're telling. It's it's very much. Uh, I always equate it to uh, to Rocky. You know, you yeah. watch uh, you know uh, Apollo and Rocky going at it, and Rocky's just taking a beating, taking a beating, and his goal is he wants to go the distance. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily want to win. He just wants to prove that he can hang with a, a guy like Apollo Creed. And you can tell the story that they're telling with Asuka and Minoru Suzuki in that match is Oscar wants to show that she belongs in the ring with a Minoru Suzuki, and and, and uh, if I remember correctly, at the end of that match, you know, it was like, uh, it was a big, you know, there was, a, there was this big ovation for Asuka, uh, Kana at the time, of course, uh, you know, for being able to, 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 to wrestle Minoru Suzuki and stick with him, you know, go, go blow for blow and punch for punch. It was, it wasn't so much to me, I, I kind of forget it's an intergender match, and I just start looking at it as like this is rocky, man. This is why people get into boxing and MMA and wrestling because these are the stories that need to be told. And, and, and you know, uh, beyond the toughness, it's just it's a wonderful story that they got to tell with that match. And I absolutely – I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling, but I'm a fan of the story that they told in that match.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> my issue with intergender wrestling is pretty basic on a storytelling level because – it's, there's only because there's two ways to do, really there's basically only two ways to book it a you're booking the woman to go over the man and it's a big you know coup for you know a woman standing up for herself against the abusive male and it's a big and it's a big you know empowerment thing but if they lose it's kind of like you know you know what i mean it's 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 if they're booked to lose it it, it it looks like you've just watched a woman get beaten up by a bloke for 10 minutes it, it can it, and that's unsettling so
0: Right. I know you're, you're right. It's, I, I feel like, I feel like intergender wrestling is limited in this in limited in in the outcomes limited in the fin- finishes, but, but ultimately too, it's like, it's, and uh i i i preface this by saying uh, you know i would never discourage anybody from doing any kind of wrestling i would never discourage anybody from from watching any kind of wrestling you watch what you want to watch you you wrestle the matches you want to wrestle that's the beauty of this business you get to do whatever you want to do and i would i i want i hope everybody as cheesy as this sounds i want everybody to spread their wings and fly as high as they possibly can because that's what's beautiful about pro wrestling Absolutely. again Absolutely. me it's it, it is it is it's it's uncomfortable because again it, to me personally it just reminds me of uh, uh domestic violence situations it, you know it's uh and it's just one of those things i'm not a fan of um uh watching personally uh and then uh, i know there was that dis- there's a discussion i remember when ronda rousey got really hot with mma there was the discussion of could, you know, could she fight a guy? Could she fight a guy? And again, it's just, it, that's not something that interests me in ever watching. So it's again, not that I would ever tell anybody how to live their life, to re- how to wrestle, how to do their career, how to do anything like that or what to watch. But me personally, it's, yeah, that's my perspective on it. But, uh, but again, I, I think, I think Kana and, and Minoru Suzuki, found their the pocket if you will they they found a story worth telling uh, uh and it was uh it was it was a great story and i give them a ton of credit but i i agree with you i think it can only go a select number of ways um and it's just like if you're if you're just doing it for the shock value if you're just doing it to have something different on your card you're doing it for the wrong reasons yeah. if you're doing it because that's the best
1: story you can tell that's the reason to do it absolutely absolutely and on that thing about um, just quickly on on Ronda, Ronda Rousey fighting men, I don't think she could have fought a man at all. Quite frankly, I, I think that would have been a complete mismatch. I think I think with Ronda, she was very very good judo She's a very very good wrestler, but she could not strike to save her life, and it showed. Whenever time she the first legitimate strikers entered women's MMA and UFC because Holly Home and Amanda, oh. I forget her name as Duniors. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, I mean, Amanda, Amanda Nunez, she could fight a bloke because she's oh, yeah. harder than most blokes. Yeah, exactly. You put Amanda Nunez and somebody, anybody,
0: any gender in the same weight class as her. She's. She, I. I got my money on Nunez. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. It's 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 uh it's one of those things. Like again, I think the minute the minute two people get in there and start striking, it's just it's it's there's there's a certain level. There's a certain point. For me personally, where it just gets a little uncomfortable, yeah. um, and I—I I, I mean, I even remember watching Baron Corbin hit the end of days on uh, Becky Lynch last year at yeah. Extreme Rules, and even then, it was just like you could tell they just did it for the shock value. And I'm just like, again, that's the wrong reason to do it. It—it yeah. it, it wasn't necessarily that it was the best story; it wasn't the best thing they could have done in that moment, but it was the most shocking, and, and that's why they did it, and that's that's why. Yeah. I, again i'm fine with i i i would never tell anybody what to do with their career or their life or what to watch but if if that's the only reason you're you're if 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 the only reason that people are out there on twitter talking about i want to do intergender wrestling i want to do intergender wrestling if the only reason you're doing it is for the shock value you're not doing it for the right reasons you know do it because it's the best story to tell that's that's my that's my only criteria in whatever anybody does in pro wrestling do the just put on the best match and the best story and, and you've you've got my vote
1: yeah, and the thing about um, Lynch taking End of Days, I think that did the um, her character a bit of damage too, because she was calling herself the man, and nobody can beat me up and that kind of thing. It kind of kind of damaged her a bit to to be seen her get laid out like that by 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 bloke. And 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 even though the End of Days is probably one of the safest finishes you'll ever see, there's like no risk of taking that move at all. Right. It, it's like really, like I, like with a little bit of training, you and I could take it. It's one of the safest moves. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm, peep, 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 peep. no, you're 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 right. I totally know what you mean. Yeah,
0: it's the the way he the way he does the move. Baron Corbin doesn't get enough credit. He's he's actually he's actually a very decent worker in the ring, and he's he, he's he seems like he's very safe with his opponents. And that that move being a bigger reason why he, he's he's one of the safer guys to work with. But, uh, but like, yeah, it's, body I'm body with body. you. It's it's not it's not uh, it's not the most intimidating or risky finisher. Uh, but yeah, it, it did it, it. Her taking that move, it did kind of. Uh, take a little bit of the bloom off the rose there yeah. and uh, uh, don't want to say ex- exposure, but it, it, it the, 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 the bad that came out of it far
1: outweighed any good that would have come out of it. Yeah. I mean, I know she, I, I mean, if she pop if, if she, if she got back up and laid a couple of shots to uh, Corbin afterwards, it would have been a bit, but I, th- I think, I think she, if i think m- a member, if serves me correctly, she did land one or two shots after, but it was nothing, nothing super impressive, but, no, no, it would, it, it, it would have been a bit better if they had that, like maybe, maybe after Sith with nuts, uh, you know, yeah, she, yeah. she got, she, she would get back up, called, called Seth off. Then she would you know, lay into Corbin a bit. That would have, that maybe that would have worked. I, I don't know. But Bam. anyway, back, back, back to us, back to Oscar, back to, uh, Kana, um, and the comic book comparison I'm going to make, I'm going to compare here with Batgirl. Ooh, and the reason yep. why I'm going to compare here with Batgirl is uh, probably one, of and if anyone has ever read this, if you've heard this, one, probably one of the greatest comic books ever written, one of the best Batman stories ever ever written. Um, oh, man, I'm terrible with names in this thing. The, 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 the 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 one Alan Moore wrote, man alive. Um, the Killing Joke. Here we go. Oh, I am yeah. terrible. Yeah, I it. had
0: a feeling. Yeah, if you were getting. A, I had a feeling
1: you were getting to the Killing Joke. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Killing it's, Joke. You're absolutely okay. right. Because if you if you guys know that know that storyline where um uh, Joker essentially comes in shoots Batgirl paralyses her and it's alluded very strongly that he did some things to her afterwards. This is an Alan Moore written comic book, after all. Right, um,
0: it is very gritty, and it's 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 hard to stomach at certain points. But but I, I do I, I get what you're saying. I love the comparison because I think the the story was with uh, with with Batgirl and the Killing Joke was uh, was adversity. I mean, yeah. and it's and, and kind of what we were talking about with uh, with the story that that Suzuki and and Kana told in that match. It was it was it was adversity. You know, it was her overcoming the odds it was her you know again going the distance and 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 in the 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 comic you know we do see uh was was it, it, it in the Kelly joke it is it is the Barbara Gordon is it the Barbara Gordon Batgirl yes it, it is Barbara. Yeah, yeah yeah it is the Barbara Gordon Batgirl so you know we see Barbara have this we do see her get a measure of redemption in the end uh you know it, it it's it's a dark story but we do see her get a you know a little bit of uh you know we see her save face a little bit uh, and again, that's what it was with, uh, with that match with Suzuki and Kana. It was, uh, we see, we see this, uh, you know, we, we watch this, this, this woman go through such a, an awful ordeal in this match and just, just try to hang, hang with, uh, uh this awful evil Minoru Suzuki. And, and eventually we see her, you know, uh, it's not necessarily
1: that she triumphs, but she does overcome the adversity in her own way. Yeah, exactly. And. Um, further on, the Batgirl story. After you know, she was she's paralyzed. She be, she becomes from Batgirl to Oracle and becomes uh, Batman's eyes and ears in um, the Batcave, doing, doing the same thing. Um, Felicity Arrow, the TV show, gets accused of lifting a lot of stuff from uh, Batman comics, and it's true. Felicity right. Smoke is Felicity Smoke is pretty much Oracle, <laughs> and you know um, the storyline that they did a bit where she was paralyzed and then she had that. Bionic implant to make a walk again. That's exactly the same thing that happened to Barbara Gordon in the comic books. Now she had a bionic after being Oracle for a long time, and she had a bionic implant on her spine, which became Batmick back early again. So it's just yeah, but, but, but I digress. That's the comparison I'm making. I'm sticking with it. I like it. Yeah, you like it. Cool. <laughs> Righto. Um, I'm gonna give the four to you for our last one, because I'm sure you've thought a few of these things. Name a comic book character. No, sorry. Name a pro wrestler you think is one of the legit toughest, and compare with a comic book character. The floor is yours, Mister Dickey. Uh, the
0: the one that the the first thing that always comes up to me as one of the most legitimate tough toughest people in pro wrestling is Bruiser Brody. Oh, yeah. I I mean I, I, th- I think I think he is at the top, if not close to the top of of everyone's list. It was to me. It was either it was either it was either Bruiser Brody or or Meng. Uh, those two just have such a reputation for being being two of the toughest individuals in the world. But I, I give it to Bruiser Brody. Uh, Bruiser Brody had this great reputation of of traveling all over the world. He's one of the greatest freelancers and independent wrestlers ever. Yeah. Uh, never, you know, never was really tied down to to one place. Had you know, but uh, you know, you look at. Uh, you look at wrestlers like Mick Foley, you look at the the the, the deathmatch wrestlers that we see with like combat zone wrestling, game changer wrestling and stuff like that. All of them in one way, shape or form were inspired by Bruiser Brody because that was a guy who was out to, you know, we talked about how, you know, Suzuki wasn't out to prove he was the toughest and, 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 you know, Vader wasn't out to prove he was the toughest. I legitimately think Bruiser Brody just wanted to show his Body was an instrument for pain and punishment, both to his opponents and to himself. And it was just that there was, he looked like um, it was like this, every time Bruiser Broda got in the ring, it was like this weird circus sideshow of how much pain could this man tolerate. And you just look at like he was a freak of nature and just just and he was a massive guy too. He was just so tall and he just like he again, like we, we, I always use the comparison of like you walk into a bar and you see there's certain guys you just know you don't want to mess with. He was that ultimate guy. He was tall. He had that long hair, the big bushy beard. He looked like uh, he looked like Frank Zappa, but but like you know ten times taller. He was just and and you look at the there's a great picture of him where you could see his forehead and how just mangled and cut up it is you know i think the only person who had a worse forehead than him was was uh yunakiyama um just uh just so just scarred and brutal and battered and beaten and just i mean he's he was just a relentless freak of nature and and just one of the most legitimately tough ba you know individuals to ever set foot in the wrestling ring and again he's inspired so much you know from mick foley to the the death match wrestling that you see now not that i'm necessarily a fan of it but but he's 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 got this lasting legacy uh uh yeah i, I don't think the the legacy of bruiser brody i, I don't think could be understated with with the toughness and fortitude that he would show
1: each and every time he set foot in the ring yeah i mean that's that's a that's a good one i mean so much. A lot of people. Sadly, most things. A lot of people. Most people know about Bruiser Brody was the fact that he was stabbed in Puerto Rico, and that's how his life tragically came to an end. Right. You no, know, the Booker of Carlos Colon's promotion, legitimately, walked into the locker room, they would be thing, and he stabbed him in the guts. I mean, talk about. Yeah, you know, I,
0: talk I, mean, about I mean it's it, it's it's a sad story. It shows you that no, how I mean, no, no matter how legitimately tough an individual is, I mean, there's there's always you know, it's the story of Achilles, you know, everybody's got their weakness and I don't know many people uh, tough or weak that could withstand a, a, a blade to vital organs. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. sadly, it's, uh, it, you know, that's how he met his demise. And I, 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 I don't know if it's, it's like the Kurt Cobain effect or his his sad untimely passing enhanced his legacy. I'm sure in a way it did, but uh, it makes me wonder if he were still alive today, you know, would he be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah. Would he be, you know, chumming around with legends? I don't think he would, because I don't think that's who he was. You know, that's not the vibe I get from how Bruiser Brody was. But it does. It makes you wonder, like, what where you know, what would he be doing right now? I don't think he'd be wrestling. He'd be what? He's be in his sixties right now, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, thereabout. So you know, it makes you wonder, like, would he have kept going or would he have slowed down or if he slowed down what would be slowing down for a bruiser brody it just makes you you know there's all these what ifs you know that we'll never know because he was just cut down so tragically sadly yeah. um yeah uh but as far as like a comic book comparison bruiser brody's tough but i mean if i had to i mean honestly the first one that comes to mind uh i always think of uh colossus i mean you know the uh uh, Colossus or like Juggernaut, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely one of those two. Not to go Rain Man on you there, but uh, Colossus or Juggernaut, I think, are the easiest comparisons because they were, again, uh, with the X Men. You know, I use the term "freak of nature" to describe uh Roadie. And, and obviously, X Men are freak. They're mutants, um, and, and and I think Bruiser Brody will probably be the closest thing we ever come to seeing a, a mutant inside the the professional wrestling ring. Uh, but you know the the idea with those two is they could withstand beatings and punishments due to their enhancements um, that they you know uh, due to their mutations. Um, but yeah, those I mean those guys would, but they were also impossible to defeat because because of their high threshold and high tolerance for pain. You know you look at uh, you look at Colossus and and kind of uh you know he was uh it, it not only was he was he 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 tough physically but he also had this you know there was they once they gave him uh you know more depth in the 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 comics and and once they delved into his character more and personally you start to see the uh he had this very strong resolve um as a as a as, a, as, a, as an individual too not just as a fighter not just as a as a as a member of the X-Men fighting, you know, the, the, the forces against them, but he was also this very deep and, 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 in some, some aspects uh, um, also had, had a, had a tragic character when you look at his, uh, cause he had a relationship with Archangel, uh, which is uh, one of my, one of my favorite story arcs that they did with, uh, with those two Colossus and Archangel was, was, was brilliant not to get too far off the yeah. subject, but uh, you, t- again, talk about toughness. Um, I think, uh, I think Colossus is, is one of my, one of my favorite unsung heroes of the world of comic books. And, uh, I, I think, uh, Bruiser Brody is one of the, my favorite unsung heroes in professional wrestling, uh, because I look at, uh, you look at, uh, almost 30 years later since he's passed. And,
1: and sadly, I don't think he gets enough credit for the influence that he's had over the business. Nah. Uh, anybody listening? Uh, take our voice and watch it, the, uh, Dark, Side of the episode, Dark Side of the Ring episode that featured Bruiser Brody because that is one of the better, better ones, in my opinion. That's one you should definitely check out. Yeah. All right, guys. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. We could probably keep talking all day long, but, you know, uh, we can't have 10-hour-long podcasts.
0: <laughs> no, and the spandex is starting to get uncomfortable. I, I am experiencing chafing at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I told you, mate. Baby powder. You got to get the baby powder out.
0: Ah, see, I should have known that. Oh, one of those, yeah, one of those, uh, one of those little uh, tips. You know, they don't talk about it, but it uh, should be
1: common knowledge. So I'll yeah. have to remember that for next time. Yeah, baby powder. And make oh make sure you make sure you you, you got dry undercarriage, man. Otherwise, you got a flag and a tongue on a flagpole situation. You don't want that. But never mind.
0: Oh man, you 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 <laughs> should you're, you're you're just opening up new new worlds for me here, Mitch. I I I really gotta. I really got to use some of these tips next time.
1: Oh, my pleasure, mate. Little, little, little Australian knowledge for you. Little Australian Ampac knowledge. That's right. That's <laughs> uh, Bush right. knowledge. All right. <laughs> Bush knowledge. Try know so far. Okay. All right, ladies and gents. This has been Storytelling Spandex. Make sure to listen to us, subscribe to us, rate us, share us around. Um, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Two sweeters. Catch you around.